What's up, people? You're listening to Connect EHL, a podcast dedicated to inspiring conversations with passionate people at EHL. I'm Rohit Menon, your campus connector, and I'm interacting with some of the best minds in the community who strive to express themselves every day. Guys, welcome to this special episode of the Connect EHL podcast. I'm super excited. We have Carl here from Saga Space, creating extraterrestrial places, correct? Mm-hmm. Extraterrestrial We call spaces. them habitats. Habitats. So a habitat is kind of what you call a building, mm-hmm. the outer space, because like on Earth, a habitat is a place where an organism uh, can live because it has all the things, all the circumstances that makes it, you know, habitable mm-hmm. so in space because you have to kind of create the entire ecosystem you call it a habitat Correct. so space uh, habitats isn't it also called a microcosm uh sometimes an well, ecosystem as well yeah you could you could call it yeah microcosm because it it is kind of like taking a whole world and putting it into a tiny uh, vessel right then, uh, it's super <laughs> exciting it lately there's been a lot of talk about <clears throat> what's next for human beings, is it living on spaceships? Is it the moon, Mars? Uh, what is your interpretation of this? Okay, well, of, of course, what I mostly think about is space. So I definitely have some clear ideas about what, where we're going with that. Um, and the next destination is definitely the moon. So there's been a lot of talk about Mars recently, uh, but it is much easier to go to the moon as a preparation step in order to go to the mar- to, to Mars in the long run. Okay. So probably within the next five years, we're going to have humans on the moon again, uh, but this time to stay rather than just visit like we did uh, 50 years ago. Uh, and uh, yeah, once you know how to do that, then we can continue further on to Mars. So is the first step then to actually land on the moon? Recently, India, uh, ISRO, just conducted the mission to the moon the landing failed mm-hmm. and so isn't that the first hurdle to be passed or is that hurdle like already passed? yeah well so landing on the moon is really hard i think uh i think the statistic is like two-thirds of two-thirds of all the things that are sent to the moon crash so you know uh, the odds weren't in the favor of india and also yeah. israel also tried to land something on the moon like some months ago and they also failed uh, so definitely that is step one, but we already know how to do it because NASA has done it. And there's a lot of things that China and Japan also landed stuff on the moon. Okay. Uh, yeah, but of course. Right? And also for humans to go to uh, the moon, we also have to create, uh, we have to create, like someone has to create a rocket that is capable of it. And uh, it's in development now, but it's, it's actually never been tested, right? So you've probably seen the Starship by SpaceX. Yep. Now they've done a big mock-up uh, oh, okay. out of steel, uh, but it's you know it's in no way ready to actually go there. And, and when do you think it will be um, happening? When could you say? Yeah, it's, it's it's hard to know, right? But uh, I think quoting Elon Musk, he said that in, within the next two years they would have the first proper flight to the moon. So if, if all goes to plan, you know, uh, two years would be. It. And also That's NASA, crazy. they uh, they're having their first test flight for their huge rocket, the Space Launch System, and that's going to be next year in 2020. But they're not going to the moon or anything; they're just testing to see if it works. So a space rocket launch launcher is what they're doing. 
yeah, they're, they're doing the rockets, the big, huge rockets that will take people and equipment to the moon. And that's happening maybe next year, the first uh, test, but probably the next four years. You know, you came to EHL uh, to talk about hospitality on Mars. Why do you think hospitality is so important for space? I mean, as an architect, uh, we think a lot about how humans don't just survive uh, in places, you know, how to stimulate and uh, make environments that actually create uh, like a hospitable place, right? Yep. So uh, that's why I come to speak about it because it's such a, an important issue in going to space that you don't just, you know, stop at uh, the basic survival means. You also have, you know, like we're sitting in a room here now that's been super carefully designed so that there's some nature and you know there's light and if we were just sitting in a dark laboratory it would be completely different and then imagine sitting there for uh, weeks at a time uh, or maybe months or a year right that's how it would be to go to uh, mars or the moon if you didn't consider hospitality Uh, so i just think uh, you know hospitality is about creating comfortable environments for humans and one of the most uncomfortable places you could go to is probably the most, yeah, definitely the most uncomfortable place to go to space and go to Mars. And that's why it's important that we have people who think about hospitality in these places. Okay, interesting. Because I was, as you said, uh, you know, this we can be here because it's habitable, because yeah. there's green, there's light. Yeah. I just imagined what if everything around us was just black. Yeah, you know, exactly. And then that's crazy to imagine because yes, I can talk to you for one hour, but then after that, what? Uh, what do we do? So, what, <laughs> so yeah, there's nothing. There's yeah. nothing around you. So, what do you? What did you? When you started thinking about hospitality in uh, your pods, in your habitats, what? Where did you start? Could you just define hospitality? So I'm sure we're talking about the exact same thing. Uh, I feel like you know you're an expert in this field. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not an expert. I'm not, you yeah. know. Uh, uh, hospitality for me is the connection between a host and a guest. But in your definition of creating comfortable environment for humans, mm. it's totally right as well. Okay. Yeah. It's creating a comfortable space for interaction and being able to live. So how did you start thinking about hospitality or how to make comfortable environments while going to space, while living in space? How I started thinking about it. I mean, I thought about it just, uh, yeah, I think I started researching Mars and space travel because I was really excited about it. I thought, you know, I could see myself going to space one day and I was super pumped for that. Uh, But then the more I found out about going to Mars and the moon, I realized that you know, this romantic idea I had of it was kind of wrong and it's actually you know, a terrible place, but I didn't want that to deter me. I wanted to figure out, okay, you know, it's a, it's a terrible place. Everything wants to kill you. Uh, there's nothing around you. Everything's dead. You can't, you know, talk to anyone. Like how can you use uh, ideas from hospitality and architecture yep. to make it more inviting, to make it, uh, place for humans to actually you know prosper and in terms of architecture then how do you make sure or the the more interesting question would be how have you thought about architecture that makes 
uh, some something habitable. Because right now you're doing the 3D model printing of your uh, of, the pod, of the pod, yeah. right? Uh, that you're going to stay in in the in Greenland as well. Yeah. And so, what did you think about and how how what does it feel like to be inside it? Okay. Um, so making something hospitable in space is quite different than on Earth, of course, because on Earth. We have all these things around us, so we need to make something that is, you know, different from just going out on a walk. We have to create something special. But in space, it's more about, uh, you know, taking the best things from Earth and then trying to recreate them in space. So the microcosm thing, like humans are obviously uh, meant to live on Earth, and this is the best place for us. so it's really about trying to create something that is a natural environment and that means uh, ensuring that there's a daily rhythm you know circadian cycle that there's sunlight it's trying to make it as natural as possible like sometimes people think oh going to space you know it's going to be so futuristic sci-fi and like long steel corridors with like leds and you know aliens and it's they have this really cool idea of how it's going to be but uh, my thinking is that once you are inside the sci-fi universe, once you're in the galaxy, then what you really want is something that reminds you just a little bit of Earth. So in the moon pod, for example, mm-hmm. we're not going to space, uh, of course, but we're going to um, a place on the ice cap of Greenland that is so remote and so distant that you might as well be on the moon. Uh, if you need a rescue, it also takes four days for it to come, just like the moon, and there's nothing around you, it's pure white. Uh, so what we're trying to do uh, with our part is first to incorporate nature somehow. And you can't really do that because, uh, you know, just putting, making it a greenhouse uh, will make the air too humid and there's all kinds of right. infectious problems and you have to sterilize it and all this, but just something like bringing a, you know, a controlled vertical farm okay. we're going to incorporate. Actually, with a Swiss company called Yesai. Um, so, yeah, some. They're some, doing vertical farms. They're doing, uh, yeah, vertical, like, they're actually developing something for residential use, I believe. Like, kind of uh, a, a panel that you can put up on a wall, okay. and then it has, you can put these little capsules in it, kind of like an espresso. Uh, and then out of that capsule comes like uh, a cabbage or a <laughs> strawberry okay. and it knows exactly how to how to provide the nutrients for that thing so it's like a plug and play gardening system so we will bring that we will bring like an algae farm and algae is probably not what you imagine sort of is nature but in a place where there's no nature even just having little green microorganisms uh, you know brings you some sort of feeling of uh, yeah natural surroundings it's almost like it's almost like people feel homesick and so like you said then you need to have that feeling of home and that's also what hospitality is at the end that feeling of home away from home uh and then home away from home it can it can be a great way for you to also yeah that's a good way of thinking about it envision it um you know maybe the viewers want to know more about what your mission is in greenland and why you're doing it yeah so the mission is that we've developed this design 
for a future moon habitat. And we've actually just finished the design process. And uh, it basically, it sums up a lot of the theoretical ideas we've had about building uh, moon habitats. Uh, and then we want to try to test it in real life. So it's not just theoretical. And of course we can't send it to the moon yet, but yeah. uh, our goal is to uh, make a structure that we can then put in Greenland and then do like a simulated moon mission in a place that's uh, very extreme, uh, kind of like the pl closest place to moon that you can find on Earth. Okay. And, and you did that through months of research and just, okay, this is the place that would best replicate the moon. Yeah, there are probably a few places that could be close to it, um, but there's some certain things about uh, the pole that makes it ideal for our mission because the the first manned missions to the moon they're gonna go to the south pole of the moon and there you have a place called the peak of eternal light okay which is a place where the sun never sets so there's constant light and similarly on the poles of uh, the earth we have periods of time where the sun also doesn't set and of course this kind of fucks up your your so daily rhythm circadian yeah. rhythm that's a problem so you know it's just one of the things where there's an overlap between these two places uh, so we can test how the psychology is being in a place like that and how architecture can uh, come and you know be a countermeasure for the negative effects and i'm going to go there myself with uh, my partner my co-founder sebastian who's also part of saga uh, and we go there for three months uh, living only uh, with powdered food and with no contact to the outside world uh, to replicate, you know, as close as possible a mission to the moon that we can, both sort of to give us ourselves the, the practical experience of what it really is to be in an extreme environment like this, because it's so hard just to speculate, you know, reading a sci-fi book and being like, oh, that must be crazy, like, I wonder if we <laughs> can do this to improve it, like, how does it actually feel, what do we really need? What's interesting is then, Many people would, you know, get others to do it, but you're, you guys are doing it yourselves. Yeah. I mean, that means a lot, yeah. you know, that says a lot about why you, how much you care about how uh, the users or the customers or whoever's going to stay in those are going to feel like so that you get the experience so then you can find the solution yourself. Yeah, I think it's crucial, honestly, because with these things, like, it's... It's qualitative, it's a bit hard to define what the qualities are that you're looking for right. because it's very human, it's psychology. Uh, to send someone and then having them explain to you what is hard can be, I think, really difficult uh, to get real information out of them. Even focus groups are really, like, even if you have two hour focus groups, you can't get really a lot from it. And I think probably also with hospitality, like the best places and the best concepts you know, people make them f for themselves first because they know how they feel in it. And then that also turns out to be the thing that works for other people. You know, yep. you treat your guests as you would treat yourself. yourself. Anyway. That's right. And uh, yeah, and, and the other reason why we're doing it ourselves is because uh, ethical guidelines makes it hard to find a participant <laughs> and then say, oh, we're just going to put you... Yeah, put you in a scientific experiment. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to eat anything. You're just going to eat like algae and powder and 
yeah, we'll take blood samples and wow. you know, it's, it's really uh, dangerous but <laughs> so to make this shirt we're not gonna hear about you for three months yeah we okay we we're trying to establish some sort of um, Online. telecommunication okay. yeah uh, we're speaking with um, some uh, satellite companies to see if we could get a link with the satellite we even talked to spacex actually mm. because they just uh, launched the starlink uh, system but uh, unfortunately putting small satellites in space yeah right? they're yeah. going to make a swarm of satellites to provide internet oh, for right, the entire right. world mm -hmm. uh, and they they want to test it now that's why we reached out and said you know you can test it on us uh, but unfortunately the satellites are in orbits that are not so high up to the poles yet oh. uh, so there's no connection from from uh, spacex to us uh, but yeah we we're gonna have some sort of communication of course uh, a radio communication to another uh, research base on greenland because okay. you can't just be alone there it's uh, it's not even allowed you know because of insurance and uh, rescue uh, like standards may i uh, ask like how big is the pod is the habitat yeah so we we're still in design uh, phase and the next thing we're going to do is to create a one-to-one -one mock-up yep. so we can see how big the space is in real life because you know the slight variations in the design when you are looking at it on the screen uh, might mean a lot when it's, when it's, uh, it's built in real life so we, I, I don't have a clear answer for you but our design currently uh, once it's expanded and livable uh, is a uh, four meters in uh, diameter sort okay. of uh, imagine a circle of four meters in diameter and then uh, one and a half floors up so that you can oh, stand okay and then there are uh, these sort of sleeping pots under the ceiling but it's not it's not a full two floors it's just yeah. uh, one floor where you can stand and then a private sort of sleeping pot for each person there is it is this uh, based on some optimal uh, design standards or is it really because why four meters against a one and a half floors which is so there is no design standards for space and, uh, <laughs> we are trying to define yeah. them we're, we're trying to define everything Super cool. about it and that's that's Super what cool. i love about it it's a creative challenge right you really you can't look up a book and be like okay so how many square meters do we need for one person on the moon it doesn't exist and that's why i'm i'm being a bit uncertain about it because we have to make you know, like a, a full full mock-up of it, see if that works, do like a little test of all the, um, the uses inside the space, then adjust a bit. And then once we know that, you know, that could be the new standard. We could, uh, we could write a, a paper about it and be like uh, the volume standards for uh, people habitating the moon uh, in the future. So that's, 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 that's you know, so awesome. that's what it's all about. It's, um, it's like applied research, uh, to start defining technologies and gaining knowledge and defining uh, architectural standards for how to build on the future. You know, I think a super important question to ask, you know, you've already started this design, you've already contacted all these companies, but this idea started somewhere, maybe two years back, maybe one year back. What was that initial sort of spark? The idea for uh, the idea the for yeah project. idea for going for this. What made you go going for what? Uh, go for creating Lunar or even Saga Space? I don't know which one you want to talk about. Well, this is an interesting story because it came kind of came out of nowhere. it. Must be it must be an interesting story. Uh, so back when we started as students, 
you know, we didn't really know what we could do. And the first thing we said to each other, like, you know, it'd be really cool if we could do an analog habitat, which is what you call these like simulated space habitats. Okay. And it, it seemed like such a far away goal. But then already, uh, like three, four months after we did that, we uh, had the chance to make a small uh, Mars habitat in, in Israel. Mice as in mouse, like no, Mars. Mars habitat. Mars okay. as in the red man. A Mars habitat. <laughs> yeah, that would have been. I could have done that. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, so, so we did a uh, habitat and it was Mars, and someone else did a mission in it. And we thought, okay, we could actually, you know, we achieved this. Like, how can we make something uh, where we test ourselves? Uh, and then. We just played around with the idea like how oh, Greenland is actually an interesting place. Uh, you know, Greenland and Denmark uh, is kind of uh, a shared government. Um, so it actually seemed like a possibility, but we, we kind of put it on the shelf and did some other projects. Uh, but then, uh, out of the blue, this uh, TV producer from uh, the biggest Danish uh, production company wrote to us. and. Yeah. I had met her randomly like one and a half years before that and talked about space and she got my uh, my email and then I just forgot about her. But then she suddenly wrote like, hey Carl, uh, I'm looking for some interesting uh, TV documentary ideas. Like, are you guys doing anything cool that we could <laughs> film? And then, you know, we were like, oh, we're actually not doing anything, you know, like super cool. Can, yeah, <laughs> we were doing like, you know, some conceptual designs and some, but we looked at each other and like you know what can we can we make something up like we wanted to have a documentary right like what can we make up that is cool enough for that and then I was like hmm. yeah okay so so then I wrote back to her like uh, hey Venka like uh, we're actually doing this project where we're gonna make a simulated mission to Greenland, simulating the moon, and then I, I basically wrote out the whole project description in the email to her. Wow! And I was like, "Yeah, uh, and you know, we're in the planning phases. It's going great. Like, let's go." <laughs> and then That's she's crazy. like, "Oh, I can't believe you're doing that. Like, that's cool." And then oh, we're like, God. "Okay, now we have to do it." But then, of course, having the documentaries uh, suddenly makes it real because then we could uh, go to sponsors and be like, "Oh, we're doing virtual this documentary. Like, let's go." Um, so, you know, so it kind of came. One of the uh, kind of common things I notice out of all of these podcasts is that people who are passionate take opportunities when they see them. Yeah. It's like there's something about that. it's like it's like taking them right from the start, saying, "Okay, even if I don't have an idea, even if I'm not there yet, going for it will make me do it." Yeah. yeah. There was this person who went for stand-up comedy and he signed up for Manhattan. He didn't do it four times. Uh, to do stand-up comedy in Manhattan and then eventually he did um, there's this person who walked into a room um, for a fashion show modeling thing and then she said I want to create a sustainable fashion outfit mm-hmm. and then it's just how these things start and yeah. that's super cool that you know it takes some I think guts as well I think you're right like I think that's a really uh, key point like and, and after after that happened it also became clear to me that this is kind of, this is how stuff like this happens. Like, uh, I used to believe that I just got really lucky uh, that some of these opportunities came and like, oh, 
I must be especially lucky because I got to yeah, do this thing in the, in the desert of Israel and uh, go to the space university. Yeah. But then I also thought, you know, a lot of people, if they'd gotten this email uh, from the production company and they really didn't have a project like us, they would have been like, oh, well, we don't have a project, right? But like, let's be in contact for another time. Yeah. Uh, but so, so I was lucky to receive the email, but a lot of people get a lot of lucky opportunities. Um, but it's more like following them through and actually. Uh, Hence, it's a like, creative challenge for you. Mm, yeah. It's yeah, cool. That's a good point. Um, hospitality on Mars presentation tonight. Uh, what are you What are you excited about? What are you expecting? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I just love talking about space and Mars and our concepts. And I think the idea of building a hotel on Mars is completely out of this world. <laughs> I'm excited Super cool. to you know just yeah. thinking about that's it. That's something was, else uh, for sure. What's interesting for me and. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what people are going to think about space and Mars after my talk, because you know, I'm, I'm going to lay it all out there. The same thing that I said that, you know, in my research, like space is hard, Mars is hard. Like, are you yeah. sure you even want to ever build a hotel on Mars? I don't know. Uh, but here are some you know, ways we could do it. So. People are definitely interested, though. There was this girl who was like, imagine doing hospitality on Mars. Just imagine that. And I'm like... Can't. You know, I can't <laughs> really imagine it at the moment, but people are super interested. I think that's also why Clubless Entrepreneur is doing this to bring you guys here. Yeah. Uh, it's super cool. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. You're the top, right? Yeah, see you. <laughs>